on this slice of fresh bread, should Christians watch movies or shows that depict Christ? How would you think about shows like The Chosen? Welcome to Fresh Bread, a podcast of Grace Bible Church, Gainesville, with Pastor Brandon and Pastor Keith. Well, welcome everyone to Fresh Bread, podcast number 15. And I'm Pastor Keith, that's Pastor Brandon. Our topic today, Pastor Brandon, you ready? I'm ready. I'm as ready Should. as I'm going to be. You're ready as you're going to be. Lots of coffee, lots of time studying, and yes, I'm ready to go. Yeah, we got this question actually from someone who emailed this to us. It's a good question. Should Christians watch movies or shows that depict Christ? What do you think about that? I think it depends. Ultimately, I'm, I'm going to answer that it's a matter of personal conscience. I mean, the Bible was written 2,000 years ago before those things existed, and so it doesn't obviously directly address directly address things like movies, especially movies that depict Christ. So it, so the Bible doesn't really give us a direct answer to that question. But I think there are things that we need to consider for sure. Exodus 20, verse 4 and 5, or, or actually 4 through 6, ultimately. But 20, verse 4 says, You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. And so, you know, if we stop right there... You know, there is, a, there is a prohibition against making, you know, these idols. If we stop right there, then it would be a question of what does that even mean? Is it a total prohibition against making anything that depicts heaven above and earth below? And, you know, the, I mean, is, it, is that a total prohibition? And I would say in interpreting this verse, we need to understand verse 5, where he says, You shall not worship or serve them, that would be the idols, for I, Yahweh your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. And so worshiping those idols then becomes we're hating God by worshiping those items. But again, the, the prohibition of worshiping and serving them is the critical piece. You see, we were created to worship God. We were made to bring Him glory, and anything that we worship above God is an idol and must be avoided. I mean, we have to understand that. And so the question then applies is whether or not this applies to any image of Christ. Does that include art, like sculptures or the great paintings in the galleries in France? Yeah, again, the worship of those things, absolutely. I mean, I, I, if we are worshiping those things, then if they were, they were made as, as something to worship, then yes, we're putting them before God. You know, I think that, you know, the question is, is that would this, you know, would this apply to even pictures of Christ? And, you know, again, in thinking this through, we need to, we need to take a, you know, really careful look at 20 verse 4, because it says in, in that, it says, do not make idols or a likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water or under the earth. And if I stop there, the question becomes, does this mean that we can never have any art, anything which depicts, you know, as an example, mountains, anything that depicts rivers, anything that depicts the ocean and ocean life, and anything that depicts animals, you know, birds, lions, tigers, you know, you think of all the art that's out there and, and, and art that's hanging in, in most people's homes, you know, that would be, if I take 20 verse 4, that would be a prohibition against those things. But I don't think that that's the purpose of what God is saying. In, in those in those verses, and this is actually the Ten Commandments. I mean, the, mm -hmm. the you know the the ten words or the Ten Commandments, and 
So I don't think that's what that what God is saying there. I think that it's it's the question is is that he's or what he's saying is, and I would argue is that he's prohibiting man from making images or making idols for the purpose, for the express purpose of worshiping them. And I think that is the I mean, again, it's that piece of the of the express purpose of worship. But here's where the rub comes in. I can promise you that if one man makes an image for enjoyment, so if let's say he makes an image of a of a river for enjoyment, another man's going to worship it. So then how do we handle that? How do we deal with that? And here's how I think that through. What I say what I how I think that through is that if God made trees for our enjoyment and his glory, then it's not wrong of God to make those even though sinful humans end up worshiping the tree. Does that does that make sense? I mean, yeah. I, you you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, so if I make a if I make a a depiction of a river or a depiction of a tree and someone ends up or if I make a statue for enjoyment, you know, the statue of David or you know something like that or a, a statue of you know, whatever, whatever I might make a statue of, and someone ends up worshiping that, am I participating in their sin? Well, but I think that would be the same as saying that God is participating in the sin of a person who's worshiping a tree that he made. You know, the issue is seeing that as something that's above him. You know, and I think Isaiah captures that in Isaiah. You know, Isaiah captures that, and, you know, as he talks about using a tree and using part of the tree for firewood and using another part to make an idol and then worshiping the idol as if it's something special, as if it's something above God. And so it's the issue of the heart and the issue of of why you're making those things. I mean, even, you know, I haven't thought this completely through, but even the temple, you know, depicts it, its images of, of a heavenly scene, and, and it's, it depicts, you know, angels, and it depicts, you know, the it even depicts the garden, uh, paradise lost, and, and the garden. And so to say that all images are sinful would, I think, would be a wrong-headed way to look at it. The issue, again, is worshiping worshiping the symbol or worshiping the idol or the image above the one true God. Or, well, and I, can, I can't even say, I mean, we shouldn't, I mean, obviously we shouldn't worship those things at all. Use them for enjoyment and for God's glory, but to worship them and to think that they're somehow above God because we're worshiping them in that way is sinful and wrongheaded and, and idolatry. So it's, it's, it's about the intent. If you're using them to remind you of Christ, it's okay. But if you're praying to it and worshiping it as Christ? You know, like a picture of Christ. I'm not for it because I don't know because I don't think we can ever capture his beauty. You know, there's a there's a story in a book by Amy Carmichael called Gold Cord. In that book, she tells the story of Prina, a young Indian girl who became a Christian and lived in Amy Carmichael's orphanage, and she had never seen a picture of Jesus in her life. Instead, Carmichael prayed for the Holy Spirit to reveal. Christ revealed Jesus to each of the girls for who but the divine can show the divine. That's what that was in, in her words, who but the divine can show the divine. One day Prina was sent a package from abroad and she opened it and pulled out a picture of Jesus. Somebody had sent her a picture of Jesus and she innocently asked who it was. I mean, she didn't honestly know who this was because she'd never seen, you know, a depiction of Jesus. And and when she was told it was Jesus, she she burst into tears, like she started crying. And the reason she was crying, they you know they ask her what's wrong, why are you crying? And her reply really says it all. She said, "I thought he was far more beautiful than that." And 
I mean, I think her answer is truly profound because the Holy Spirit illuminated the Word of God in her heart so that she beheld the majesty of Christ through His Word. And she had a picture in her mind of something much more glorious than what that picture was ever able to depict. And so mm-hmm. any any picture that we have is never going to capture the full beauty and understanding of who He is. Why do you think that in the Gospels, the writers never really describe what He looked like? They never, they, we don't get us His height, His his weight, his uh, color of his eyes. In Matthew 17, they go up on the mountain and they Christ is transfigured for them, and he they do describe that his glory in that sense. But we, it's only a description that we can't fully grasp. But yeah, you're right. They don't describe him in his humanity. He doesn't tell if he's thin, if he's thick, if he's if he's tall, if he's skinny, if he's short, if he has a long nose or the color of his skin. None of that is described. And I think that that's because it's not important. I don't think it's important to the gospel record. I don't think it's something that was critical because if it was critical, I think they would have given that description. I, I think they would have told us, you know, if, he, if it was critical that he was short, they would have told us he was short. It's funny because, you know, they gave a description of Zacchaeus and said, you know, he was a short man. That was something that was critical. It was critical to the to the record and to understanding that story in Luke 19. And so I don't, I think they left those details out because under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, those details were not important. And, and, they, and, I, and I probably could take it even further because the Holy Spirit knows the heart of man, and that would become man's focus. And we do that even though it, even though the description's not there, we still do it because, you know, you have the all-American Jesus that hangs in almost every Southern Baptist church, long-haired, hippie Jesus. And yeah, I mean, it, we still do that, and they didn't even give a description. And it is interesting that Christ did come along at a time where there was no photography. There wasn't in a way to see an image of him. No. And like you said, I think that was for a purpose. Yeah, I think so, because we would end up worshiping that. Look, I'm not going to say somebody's in sin for having a picture of Jesus. I'll stop short of that. I will say that in any church that I'm going to pastor, but we won't be doing that. It won't. We won't be putting any pictures of Jesus up on the wall in my home uh, because I just don't see it as being fruitful. It gets dangerously close to making an idol and worshiping an image that is not even the right image. So you're saying it doesn't go against Exodus 20? Well, I think I but know. But it's close. I think it's <laughs> okay for me. I, well, let me just say this, and I'll get into it in terms of what I mean by a matter of, of conscience. But I, for me, it, it would be a matter of conscience. I would, okay. for me, I would say the issue of or the actual interpretation of Exodus twenty verses four and five. For me to put up a, an image of Christ, I would be brave. Yes. Okay. I would say, you know, then the question becomes, what about movies? Can any actor ever really portray him anyway? Is it something that they should even be trying? to do. Well, I think we know the answer is no. They can never bring out his glory, even his full humanity. They will always fail to capture full beauty and glory of Christ. It's it's like, you know, I said earlier, I talked about a picture of a mountain. When you look at a picture of a mountain, it always falls short. It always fails. I don't care how good the artist is. We're always grading it based on how lifelike it is. And even the greatest artist always fails to capture the full beauty and glory mm. of what they're depicting. I mean, they never, the ones that we see as most beautiful are the ones that most fully capture the beauty, right? I mean, but it's a matter of degree. It's a matter of how close they come to the true image, but they never can, they, they'll never be able to capture the full beauty and understanding of that image. And so any actor that's trying to depict Christ, even in his humanity, will never be able to fully understand it and grasp it and much less be able to depict it rightly on screen. 
Yeah, I agree. And it's almost to the point of the way Christ spoke. You can't duplicate that as humans because the way he spoke the words of God in a human form, and they were so amazing that I think everyone that heard him, that's why they all kept saying, who is this guy? We've never heard such talk like this. You can't duplicate that by an actor no. trying to portray that. The problem of depicting biblical truth in general, you know, the what we have to understand is the biblical authors wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and as such, you know, because 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all Scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, and as such, the, the biblical authors revealed exactly what we needed to know in order for us to grasp what God is what God has revealed to us. Mm-hmm. And therefore, what we have to recognize is that there's gaps in our understanding. I mean, there's things that we just don't know, but we didn't need to know them. You know, for instance, we don't know many of the details that are necessary for a visual representation of the life of Christ and the apostles. We don't we don't know exactly what clothes they wore. We don't know exactly what the boat looked like that they that they got into. You know, we can we can make some pretty good assumptions for sure, but we don't know for sure. We're having to fill in all these gaps and all these details, but the problem is is when you put that to film that's the image that people get in their minds, and that's what they're going to think of when they think of, of Christ. And so, in a sense, you're short-circuiting the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit who reveals truth to us as we read His Word, and He and He helps us understand truth as we read and study His Word. And so, you know, even as a preacher, I'm faced with the dilemma of closing the gap, you know, the gap of history, you know, that we live in a modern context, and I'm preaching, you know, in a modern context. And so, you know, my job as a preacher, your job as a preacher, Keith, is to boil it down to those timeless truths that, you know, yes, we we use history. Yes, we use information that we know about that age. Yes, we use other biblical texts and maybe even outside texts to better understand, you know, what's being said. But at the end of the day, I mean, we're faced with the dilemma of bridging the gap from the past to the present. And, you know, we're we're trying to paint a picture of, of what it would have looked like, but we fall short. You know, we fall short. Anything, you know, I've often said that the only perfect time of church service is when we read the Scripture. It's the reading of the Scripture that that's the only perfect time, you know, because that's that's the Word of God. I'm, I'm reading the Word of God, and, and the Holy Spirit is using that. And so that's not to take away from preaching at all, right? I'm not saying that that's what we should do, that we should just read the text and be done. That I think that we do need to explain the text, because I think people need help and understanding. But at the end of the day, I have to recognize that it it does fall short. And so applying this now to, you know, and now let me just back up and say, it falls short, but the Holy Spirit illuminates his truth. And so he illuminates it in the heart of the believer, and he uses it. And we know Isaiah, you know, says that it, that his word will, will not return void, and it'll do the work that it's intended to do. And I, I fully believe that. I wouldn't be a preacher if I didn't believe that. But at the same time, I have to recognize that I'm fallible, and I, I'm making interpretations, and, and I'm trying to to understand it myself, and ultimately it's the Holy Spirit who illuminates the truth in the heart. Now, applying that to a movie, the problem is there's so much artistic license that's given. There's so much artistic license that that is given in movies and expected even in movies, and so now you're getting into a realm of making people think of you know something that maybe isn't even true. When we're watching movies and, and shows that depict Christ, so does it minimize the holiness of God at all? I think potentially yes. Okay, and I think that I, I think that 
that it's an un- unequivocal yes when it's depending on the show and depending on the intent of the director and the intent of the writers. That there are definitely situations. I, I would I would argue that Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ. The problem with The Passion of the Christ was that it focused more on his human suffering, you know, in terms of on, on the cross than it did on the the wrath of the Father and. I know that you couldn't depict the wrath of the Father and and what that meant, and it, it just it would be impossible to capture that on film. It would just it, there's just no way. But you can capture the the brutality of the Roman soldiers. You can capture the the horrific nature of the cross and hanging on the cross and the nails. You can capture that, and that's why Gibson was able to focus on those things. But the problem is that doesn't capture the full understanding of what happened at the cross. So does it undermine the sufficiency of scripture? then? Absolutely. I mean, I think that I'll just say up front, I may be overstating this, but I don't think I am. There's the problem of laziness. So I'm, I'm actually not concerned about unbelievers being led astray by these movies. I, I'm not concerned about that because the scripture says that the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is in the image of God. I'm not concerned about an unbeliever being led astray by these movies because they already are astray. You know, and and they're already their minds have already been blinded. My my bigger concern is Christians who are too lazy to do the work of discerning the truth. So they watch a movie and and they think, oh well, that's exactly what happened. And they're not willing to go back to look at Scripture and be a Berean, be be diligent to study the Word. Because if God wanted to just download data data into our minds, He could do that. I mean, He's powerful enough to just give us the biblical truth downloaded in our minds. No, He doesn't do that. And why does He not do that? Because He expects us. He wants us to actually study. He wants us to use our minds. He wants us to work hard. He makes it hard so that we would you know, be able to accomplish it for his glory. And so, you know, if we if we were able to just, you know, have the cord plugged into the back of our head and we just have it downloaded to us, that's not what we know that's not how it works. He wants us to actually use our noggins. And and what we're doing when we sit in front of the television or sit at the movie screen and we watch a movie we're putting ourselves in neutral, and we're expecting that that director and writer, it, we're, we're allowing them to guide us. We're allowing them to, you know, we're taking that two hours or whatever it is, and we're putting ourselves in neutral, and we're being guided along by that director. And if we're not discerning, we're going to be led astray by what they, by their thoughts and by their influences, and we're going to start thinking that something's true that isn't true. So are you, are you even saying that even if it's the Gospel of John and it's word for word and it's acted out word for word, that is still kind of poetic license because you have to read all the Gospels together to really get the full picture of what's going on. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I would say for the Christian that that does not replace the study of Scripture, and that yes, you know, if I'm going to li- if I'm going to watch a movie like that, and I'm not saying you shouldn't. I mean, I will get into my final answer in a few minutes, but I'm not saying you shouldn't watch. I am saying that you need to be discerning, and in order to be truly discerning, you have to go to Scripture. You have to search the Scriptures to see if these things are so. And part of, like, as an example with that movie you're describing, the, there's a movie you know that depicts the life of Christ through John. And it's basically word for word in terms of in terms of I forget what the translation maybe the Living Bible um, yeah Living Translation, but yeah I mean even that there's there's details that they have to fill in the gap on I mean you know the details of of what things looked like and and 
how they, you know, mannerisms that they use, whether it's Christ's mannerisms or whether it's the apostles' mannerisms. I mean, we can get some idea from Scripture of what their mannerisms might have been like. Obviously, Peter was, a, you know, was pretty clear what he was like, and and John, it's somewhat clear what he was like. And, you know, but the, some of the others are probably less, uh, we less, understand less about them. I don't care how good the actor is, especially with Christ. I don't think that they can fully capture his, you know, his mannerisms and who he was. I don't think they can capture his full humanity. I mean, ultimately, that's our issue. We fall short of what full humanity is supposed to be. And so we're always going to fall short when we try to depict someone who's, yeah. who is, who, de- who never fell short. I was just thinking of this as you were saying that we can depict George Washington, we can depict Abraham Lincoln because they were human men, and we can have have other actors play them because they're human. But when it comes to Christ, he's fully man, fully God. We can depict the human side of him, but we can never get the the fully God side. So we're only getting a half of Well, I would argue you're not even getting that. It's interesting because like with Abraham Lincoln or Washington, we always, always depict what we want to bring out of their personality, Hmm. right? You know, if you if you are a fan of Abraham Lincoln, you're going to depict him in a way that shows more positive. But if you're, you know, if you th- if you're not a fan of him, if you if you think that th- there was something wrong with him historically, then that's going to come out in your depiction. I mean, mm. it, you it's it's impossible for the writer, the director, and the actor to be morally neutral, meaning that to be completely neutral and put their mind and not have all of their own biases affect how they how they depict this. It's impossible possible because that, that's not how we're built. And so it, our biases are always going to come out. And so with Christ, absolutely, uh, the biases are always going to come out in the way we depict this. Which is a great transition. The Chosen, a huge popular show right now. And so as we look at that, The Chosen, this is the big question. Is it a less glorious gospel than the actual scriptures that we hold in our hand? Well, yes, absolutely. I don't think The Chosen fully captures the the scripture. I, I don't think it's, I mean, I, I would say, you know, even we even, you know, said, we talked about the, the movie that depicts the life of Christ through John. I mean, I think that movie falls short. So, so a movie like The Chosen absolutely falls short and depicting the gospel. And for The Chosen, and, and people might argue, well, The Chosens, they're not trying to be biblically 100% accurate. They're trying to be dramatic and make it interesting and but uh, I have heard Dallas Jenkins say that they're trying to be as accurate as they can be. So it's interesting that it still falls short, even of the actual Bible that we're holding in our hands. You know, there, I will say, I, I don't want to be, I'm not going to be completely critical of, of The Chosen in terms of, you know, what, they do, what they're doing artistically. I've watched, I watched the first two seasons of, of The Chosen, mainly because I wanted to understand the you know, what people were talking about. I found it to be entertaining. I could understand most, many of the things, many of the artistic elements I could see in terms of my understanding of Scripture. I could see why they, that is an example, they made Matthew, you know, kind of on the spectrum um, autistic. And, and so, you know, I could see Matthew, you know, very logical, very meticulous, uh, you know, he's a tax collector, meticulously counting the taxes. And, and he's uh, and he's now writing. They, they they depict him through the series after he you know Christ calls him. They depict him by you know he's writing meticulously down everything that he was seeing and witnessing. And obviously they're they're alluding to his writing the Gospel of Matthew. And I, I can see those things, right? I I see 
those as I you know we're going through Matthew as a church right now, and I I see the. I see his personality come through the scripture. You can you can sense his personality. When I was going through James, I I would argue with James in my mind as to what he was trying to get across in certain ver- in in verses that he was writing. And because James is so hard to in some ways to interpret. I mean, it's easy in one sense, but it's hard in another. And I, I would argue with him, and I would try to understand him. And I and Paul, I I get a sense as I go through these biblical authors, I get a sense of knowing them, you know, and knowing their knowing them as a person. I I can't wait wait to meet them in 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 the future. But having said that, with the chosen, I think the danger, especially with the chosen, is people seeing that you know that show and thinking that this is actually scripture you know they're not they're not giving a warning they don't give a warning tag up front as i remember it this is you know there's a lot of artistic license here and you know study your bibles and be bereans and you know they're not saying that and so i think there's a danger especially for christians to you know put themselves in neutral and let dallas jenkins be the one who studies scripture for them i mean and that's what that's really i mean at the end of the day it's, that's what's happening is that when you if you if you watch the chosen and i'm not telling you not to because like i said i did and i don't i wasn't in sin to watch it i don't that my conscience doesn't bother me that i watched it i watched it for a purpose but if I put myself in neutral and I watch that movie and I don't take it to Scripture to see if these things are so, and I don't try to understand why they're, they're depicting us, you know, Jesus in a certain way or Matthew in a certain way, if I don't try to understand that, then I'm I'm allowing Dallas Jenkins to be my the guy that's studying Scripture for me. I'm allowing him to be the, my teacher, and I don't even know who Dallas Jenkins is, other than you know he's Jerry Jenkins' son, which Jerry Jenkins you know, did the Left Behind series, you know, with Tim LaHaye, basically his theology becomes my theology. And I think that's very dangerous for the Christian, a dangerous place for the Christian to be. Yeah. I went to, uh, I went to college with, with uh, Dallas. Uh, we both went to Northwestern, and he's a very, very talented guy. He's a very good director. Well, and it, I mean, he good. is, and he's done an amazing job with that, with The Chosen yeah. in the sense, you know, and artistically. I mean, it's yeah. it's very, it certainly draws you in. It's entertaining. I mean, it's very entertaining. Yeah. That how important is it for an actor that portrays Christ to actually be a believer? Well, I think it would be incredibly important because I don't think an unbeliever could capture. I mean, I don't think you, I mean I don't think a believer could fully capture Christ because mm. of the things we talked about. But I I, I mean, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, and so. I, I just don't, I mean, I think there's aspects of that that they can capture, but those aspects that they capture fall well so short of a full understanding of Christ that I, I just don't know, I mean, the unbeliever just couldn't even come close. Now, having said that, having said that, does that mean an unbeliever shouldn't ever be acting as Christ? Look, I'm not the one to say that one way or the other. I, I think that I think that unbelievers can be incredibly talented and, you know, can read scripture and and can capture a, you know the mood and can do that as well as anyone i don't think that it's you know obviously some of the best actors are unbelievers so it's i'm not saying that that isn't possible but i'm saying that i don't think that they could truly capture who christ is because they can't understand him they can't understand him they see him as a human they see him they see his humanity and they, even though they may read scripture and they may depict the miracles or they may depict the omniscience, so they may depict all those things, you know, the, in the words that they say and in their actions. They they don't fully understand it. How much should we be 
leery or be careful of the production of the chosen, which has Mormon and Catholic people part of that production. Is that something that we should be leery of or aware of? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because there are things, I mean, it may be small and very subtle, but there are things that are, are in those shows, especially the chosen. But I mean, we could even, I brought up the passion of the Christ with Mel Gibson. I think he's, I think he's doing a second one now. He's Catholic. And so his theology is going to affect, I mean, it's probably more pronounced in that movie than it is in the chosen. I would say Dallas Jenkins has done a, probably a better job of capturing an evangelical understanding of, of Christ, a biblical understanding, of, you know, and, and has captured the life of Christ in a better way, probably in my mind in any way, but absolutely that the problem is a little leaven leavens the whole lump and the you know the mormon jesus is not our jesus is not the biblical jesus they they don't see jesus as the lord of glory they don't see him as we do as well as scripture better said as scripture presents him and so you know anytime their money they can say all they want to that there's no influence you know that they're just using that studio or and and the finances of, of the Mormons, but I think it's a huge, huge red flag that they're involved at all. Mm. If you want to know who's truly got influence in an organization, follow the money and you'll mm. figure it out because people have a tendency, people have a tendency, they're not going to bite the hand that's feeding them. And generally speaking, now I'm not saying that applies in every situation, but in most situations, most people will not fight will not fight against those who are giving them money and so it may be subtle you know but the lie in the garden was subtle the lie that you know that tempted Eve was a subtle lie um, you know it you know he twisted what God's word says and I believe that you put a put the Mormons you have them financing at least in part helping this and producing this show there's no way in my mind that their theology doesn't have some effect on it. right and I think we need to to specify and let people know that at Grace Bible Church Gainesville, we do not consider the Mormon Church or the Catholic Church brothers and sisters in Christ. That's correct. That's I mean, I, I mean, in terms of the Mormons, you know, they are, they're not a true church. I mean, they, they are not a true church. And the best I can say about the Catholics is they're apostate. They, they're not, I don't, you know, by degrees, you know, you might argue that the Catholic Church is not where the Mormon Church is, but at the end of the day, yeah, we don't consider either, either to be the true representation of Christ Church. And there is, and Dallas Jenkins has said himself that he, there is, he wants to try to unify Mormons, Catholics, and everyone together behind this. Yeah, so there's an ecumenical bent to yeah. it, and, you know, that there's danger there. So that's why we're trying to you know, just say there is a danger there. Be careful. Absolutely. Of that. So, so is it is it okay that the chosen? I think I know how you're going to answer this already. Is it okay that the chosen? It does make subtle changes to the gospel accounts for dramatic purposes or to make it more interesting or fascinating. Watch the first two seasons. Did you yeah, notice that? The way, as an example, it depicts Mary. I mean, I think, I, like I say, I can see it, you know, or even Peter. I mean, Peter is depicted, you know, he's a fisherman and he's like, you know, he's always into whatever little business that he's doing and, you know, trying to just stay ahead of the tax collector. And they, they depict him as being kind of at odds with Matthew. And, and because Matthew. Is he kind of like John Wayne? Is that what he. He's young and impetuous, and, and, and you can see that from Scripture. 
Okay. Right? You can yeah. see that. Yeah. But they I think they take it too far. I think they take it, you know, to a to a level that they shouldn't take it to. I mean, so there is I mean, in terms of how they handle the artistic side of it, I mean, I like I say I can see it, right? I can see why that they did what they did, but I think the danger is and what we have to be aware of if we choose to watch it that is there's artistic license there. Is it okay? Well, I wouldn't do it, but I'm kind yeah. of but I'm kind of straight and narrow, you know, kind of guy. And, you know, I'm kind of a, if the scripture says it, it's okay. But, you know, at the same time, when you, you know, even, you know, in terms of preaching, I mean, there, I'll never forget, I'll never forget H.B. Charles one time, who I love as a preacher. I was at his church a few years ago, and, and he said something to the effect, you know, that in the, I, it's not in the scripture. I can't prove that it's true, but you can't prove that I'm wrong. And then he went on to give an interpretation of, I think it was the dove and, you know, with Noah and the interp- an interpretation. I can't ex- remember exactly what that was. So preachers even use, you know, artistic, you know, license, if you will, in, in, as they preach the truth. And, and, you know, you can't say, I mean, you know, it's kind of reading between the lines. But, but when we do that, we have to be really, really, really careful. And we have to be careful to say, like, you know, H.B. Charles said it in a funny way, with only in only a way that H.B. Charles could say, because everybody laughed. And I, I appreciate that because I, I, I walk away from there going, that's interesting. That's something that's interesting, but it's not, you know, I need to understand that that's something that I, he said that's interesting that could possibly be true. But at the end of the day, I, I don't put that above. I certainly don't put that above what the actual black letters say on my mm. page. Yeah, and we have to be careful as pastors. Sometimes we use illustrations. Yes. Like we talk about the Trinity. There's nothing that we can really that's right. use. to. We try to use an egg. We try to use a space, time, and you know matter. And But, but there, is, there is really nothing we can use that nails it. And so it's, it, it, you can get into difficulty trying to do that. Absolutely. I mean, every, every analogy falls short. I mean, it, it doesn't matter what biblical truth you're trying to illustrate. It's always going to fall short of what's true. There's always going to be a danger that somebody misunderstands it by the illustration. You know, that they take the illustration and they, they back apply it. They say, okay, well, I understand the illustration and I've simplified it as this illustration. Now I'm going to say that that's what the truth is when the truth is probably more nuanced than that illustration yeah. ever could be. Okay. So as we wrap this up, anything else you want to add? Well, I, I don't think we've really said the answer. What's your answer? Well, I think the answer is we need to be discerning about what we watch. If we choose to watch a movie depicting biblical truth, whether it's one depicting Christ or the apostles or Noah or whatever it is, that's you know Isaiah, it doesn't matter what, what it is. If it's depicting biblical truth, we need to be like the Bereans who were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. And that's the type of people that we need to be. You know, if we're gonna we're gonna take it upon ourselves to be entertained by a movie or a show like The Chosen or a movie like The Passion of Christ, I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. I'm saying that you should approach it discerning in a discerning way. And the only way you can do that is if you actually engage your mind, you actually know the scripture, and you're able to you're able to separate you know the artistic from from the truth, and and you're able to discern the truth, and you're able to discern what's not true ultimately line up with scripture. You know, I don't think we need to have a critical spirit sense of being critical, we do need to be discerning, and and we need to have an understanding that any biblical movie, I don't care how close it goes with Scripture, 
any biblical movie is going to fall short in some way. It's just because we can't fully capture yeah. it. It just can't. And and if God wanted to reveal himself through a movie, he would have made a movie. But he didn't. He chose to reveal himself through his word, through the through the life of Christ and through the words of the apostles. That's how he's chosen to reveal himself. He didn't choose to reveal himself with a movie. And you know, he didn't choose to reveal himself with a podcast. He chose to reveal himself in the word of God. And so we need to recognize that and say and understand that the Word of God is the only true authority, that that is, that is our authority in terms of who Christ is, who God, who God is in terms of the Trinity, in terms of all the, the theology that we need to understand. You know, personally, I, I will give a personal, personal testimony. I personally can see the role of these types of movies because God does use material to draw people to himself. You know, it's funny, I, I mentioned the Left Behind series earlier. I God actually used the Left Behind series as a means, wasn't the only means, but it was a means to draw himself to or draw him me to himself. And so I'm I don't have to endorse the Left Behind series to understand that God actually can use those things, you know, to draw people to himself. I'm absolutely certain that other solid Christians have similar testimonies, you know, whether it's the Left Behind series or whether it's The Chosen or whether it's, you know, The Passion of the Christ or, you know, whether it's the the John movie we talked about earlier. Uh, I mean, there's so many examples. I'm, I'm absolutely certain that there are many solid Christians who have similar testimonies that the Lord used those things to draw, him to draw them to himself. Having said that, we need to be preaching the truth of God's Word in our churches, and, and those who create these types of movies, whether it's Dallas Jenkins or whether it's Jerry Jenkins or whether it's some other director that I you know that we don't know Mel Gibson or whatever but if they're going to do it right if they're going to do it right they need to be pointing to scripture and they need to be telling their audiences we're not able to fully capture the truth of the word of God that we can't fully capture it visually it just and or even you know even act it out we can't and we're going to fall short if you want to know who Christ is you need to go and into a church that's preaching the truth and explaining God's word so that you may know and understand. They need to see the movies truly as what they should be, which is a means to get people to actually open the Word and and see the Word for themselves. We believe that faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. And I think I heard John MacArthur say this, that you can't improve upon the gospel. We have the four gospels, mm. and that's what the way God wants it, and we don't need to improve it. So you're right. I don't think we need to watch these things, but if you feel you I, want to. I could see them being more evangelistic. I mean, I not that I think that that's what I would do, but I wouldn't argue I wouldn't say that's not possible because it's my own testimony. That's how God used it in my life. And so, I mean, I, I for me, that's not a good enough reason to do it. But You're saying that the Left Behind brought you to the Scriptures? Brought me to a searching to better understand. The Left Behind series, as I was reading through them, caused me to, to call out to God, wanting to know more about Him. It, God used it to make me desire more to know about him. Now, I I wouldn't say I became a believer through the Left Behind series. I, I didn't say that. I won't say that. I, I became a believer when I heard the true gospel preached. Mm-hmm. This is this is my testimony. I'm reading through the Left Behind series because my father gave them to me because he saw me going through difficult times in life and he thought they might be helpful. He thought that I might be interested in them. And actually, by God's grace, I was. And I did. I do remember a specific time on my couch in my living room after my wife and and son had gone to bed calling out to God asking him to use me and and wanting to know more about him and serve him and 
it was only a few weeks later, very, very short time later, we moved to Nevada, and I came in contact with a preacher who preached the gospel to me, and I became a believer, you know, within months of that, of, of that time mm-hmm. on the couch. And there's no doubt in my mind that, that we moved from Florida to Nevada, just to put that in perspective. I did for my job, but there's no doubt in my mind that God took us there, like Abraham, you know, get up and go, that God took us there so that I would hear the gospel specifically for from that man, because that's what I needed at that time. And so that God did use that. He did use the Left Behind series in that way in my life. And it's part of my testimony. I mean, it is part of my testimony. It's not, it's not the, it's not how I became a believer in the sense of I read the, I read the Left Behind and I was a believer when I was on that couch. I don't think I was. I don't think I was a believer when I called out to him on the couch. I think that he, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I think he has, he quickened my heart and that he, that he's the instrument that that happened by. But I think that then he had me go to Nevada so that I would hear the true gospel so that I would repent. I think I, I think I came to faith several months later when I was in Nevada. Wow, that's interesting. So final answer again. What are we saying? Well, I say we don't need the movies and art to help us understand God's glory. And if, but if anybody is listening that watches The Chosen, we're praying that that it, they would be discerning and and also that it would bring them to Scripture. Yes, that they would ultimately it would drive them to study the Scripture, especially if they're a Christian. But even if they're an unbeliever, I, my prayer would be that it, just as my testimony is that they would that the Holy Spirit would draw them to the truth, and they would ultimately come to understand that you don't find the truth through the Left Behind series or the Chosen. It, these things only hopefully point people to the to their need for infallible truth because those things are not not infallible. Wow. Good way to end it. Let's Good. end it. Like, let's end it with that. So hopefully that Is was that, helpful. Was that just a slice of fresh bread or was that the whole loaf? <laughs> That was a good chunk of a loaf, I think. That was a good, good one. This is a and again, this was a question that somebody sent us. So Yeah, we have just a just to make sure I give a little bit of a instruction, we do have the questions that you can submit on our website that if you go to the Fresh Bread podcast, we give you the, the ability to submit a question. And so if you are interested in, in anything that we you want us to address, we would just ask that you go to the website that you would submit that question or if you if you have our information, uh, personal information, you're welcome to text text us or call us or yes and we appreciate you listening absolutely hit the music you've been listening to fresh bread a podcast of grace bible church gainesville for more information go to gracegainesville.org and thanks for listening